Welcome to Real Life Christianity with Deacon John Lozano. This podcast is about real life and living it in the light of the gospel. Real things, everyday things, relationships at home and work, real issues that the world presents every day, the complexities, difficulties, joys and aspirations of being human. Deacon John is a real guy, a deacon, but also a husband, a dad, a businessman, as well as an experienced counselor, educator, and author. And Deacon John invites us to come as you are as he brings the transformative power of the gospel down from the clouds to real life, your life. Hi, and welcome to another edition. My voice, my name is Lou Tilly. I'm not Deacon John. I'm sitting in Deacon John's office in his home outside of Philadelphia. Uh, John and I have known each other for the better part of 11 years since I first sought his friendship. And that is how it started. And then his counsel. And then it kind of grew together to the point where now uh, we're working together on these talks. In the first couple that we did, John, they were called Meet Deacon John, and, and we get to know you a little bit. In this one, I want to bring the listener a little bit forward, and we talk about your missions and some of the things that you've done in conjunction with your work at the church over the years. And you are the author of a book that I'm holding in my hand that you must have written at the start of this pandemic. It's called Good <laughs> News in Bad Times, right? You when, wrote it just for this, didn't when you? When was it written, Lou? You were there when I wrote the first edition of that. That is amazing. That was a long time, when was that? That was well, a long time ago. So, so what gave you the, the message to, to come up with a title, let alone what's inside? So where did this book come from? Is that mm, what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, in the previous discussion with you, I talked about uh, life is difficult and life is unfair. Uh, and I talked about, you know, life, humanity is not easy. And when you start with that, you put yourself in a position, as I said earlier, of really listening and being open to something more than just what is. So I think I, I discovered, you know, it's kind of like, let's, let's, let's use this example. When I was a teacher, I would often ask the students a simple question. And I think it's in the book. I would say, if you look back at your life, what uh, instructed you, formed you, gave you the greatest insight in life? Was it your, your awards, accomplishments, and achievements? or your failures, sufferings, and losses. Mm. And invariably, the, variety, the majority of the students would raise their hand to the latter. Uh, now, I'm all in favor of awards and achievements. that We need them. Mm -hmm. They affirm us. We find our self-image in it. It's all good. But the instruction and the wisdom and the spiritual truths that we come to touch with usually happen from suffering. Mm. And so the book originally was, can we find good news in bad times? That's right. the title. And the truth of it is yes. Don't run for your bad times. 
you know, if you run from your bad times, you repeat them. It's like someone who's in a bad relationship and they don't deal with what happened. Well, they repeat the bad relationship with somebody else because they haven't dealt with what happened the last time. Hmm. And it's the same thing with life. If you're in some cycle of having certain things happening over and over again, you're not dealing with them. You're not being instructed by them. There's good news for you. See, that's people say, yeah, yeah, what do you mean good news? Well, that's faith, you know, that, that there's no God-free zones, as I spoke about, that God came and to the depth of human God-forsakenness and revealed himself there. So every moment of our life, we can meet him. The thing is, we don't listen to that. We don't look at the bad news in our life long enough to receive the good news that's trying to come out. It's like one of the first chapters here is like on listening. This is the first chapter. Listen. You know, it's like listening to the bad news is where we discover the good news. It's like when you really listen to another person. Someone said it's a very high form of loving. And I thought, oh, come on, what do you believe listening is loving? Well, when you think about it, when you really listen to a person, you're putting yourselves in them, in their shoes. You're putting yourself aside. You're receiving the other as other. And you know when you're around a good listener, you start talking and you talk more and you say things that you didn't expect to say and you say things about yourself you didn't even know you thought about yourself because you were given the gift of the other listening to you. And if there isn't a good listener, you just kind of stop talking. To listen to our life, to our real life, to our humanity, really listen, it'll speak to us. And we'll discover the presence of God. That's the premise of the book. So uh, for those who are just joining us, and we encourage people to go back and, and listen to the other episodes of our conversations when we kind of delved into the start for you and meet Deacon John, the real guy, the family man, the father, the husband. Um, when you serve as a counselor and, and, and you do this sort of as part of your church role, but also apart from it, um, how hard is it for you to listen to them in order to have something of meaning to help them? You mean when I'm listening to somebody counseling or yeah. spiritual direction or friendship? Yeah, when you or, first met me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, listening um, is work. Yeah. Let's, let's be serious here. Clear the head. And... Well, yeah. I mean, we all want to just be stuck in our own head yeah. and our own thoughts. But to listen is to put yourself aside. How often do we do that? Put yourself aside and really listen to the other person. Then you'll get to know them. And the person that's speaking will get to know themselves. It's a great gift. And it's a lot of work. Not everybody's a good listener. I can snap my fingers. Everybody hears the same sound. Everybody hears my voice. Everybody hears another voice. But never everybody's a good listener because it's a skill. And it takes a lot of work. And that's why marriage succeeds and fails often on communication, right? We all know that. And what's the most important part of communication? It's listening. You know, I remember one time my wife was on the phone and uh, she had this really anxious look. Uh, she was talking to somebody and said, okay, okay, I'll do it. And she hung up and she said, uh, 
oh, so-and-so asked me to uh, do this, and I, uh, I'm just so upset. I said yes, and I, I, I said yes, but I'm upset. And my answer, well, you should have said no. And she got more upset. Because uh, <laughs> you fixed her. I fixed it, but I was right. She should have said no. I was right and wrong at the same time. You know you can be right and wrong at the same time. So what I could have done in, in love would have been better to do was listen to her. What's so upsetting about this? Why, why is this upsetting you? Well, I'm overworked with this, this, and this. I have a really hard time saying no to people. I have a certain relationship issue with this person on the phone. Oh, my. Now, there's a lot there mm. if I listened. Mm. You see, it's the same thing in our human relationships. It's the same thing in spiritual development and spiritual, discovering spiritual meaning. When you look at your life, you just look at the bad things and say, well, that sucked, and you just move on. And again, you just fall into self-pity and anger and resentment. Or do you look at it and say, what was going on there? What was the other person? What about me? You know, we can't change other people, but we can change ourselves. And that's the really hard part, listening within. All right, so we started off talking about... <laughs> I said, like I, you looked like no, you were in pain when no, I said that. I am. I think he groaned. I am. Oh, I don't want to hear that, Deacon John. <laughs> and here, no, no, here's why. When we first got together a couple of weeks ago and hadn't seen each other in a while, and in that time period, the pandemic had hit. Yeah. And I came to our conversation that day with, with, a, with, a, with an attitude that was starting to get angry yeah. and resentful. Yeah about what's going on in my job place, in my personal life, I'm sick of being in quarantine, sick of being alone, angry at the politicians on this side, angry at the politicians on that side. Sure. That's where I'm going with this. What's the good news in these bad times right now, John? Well, I've done about 10 or 12 podcasts on that. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of good news uh, in this. Um, and you can go back and find them on, on, on your yeah. webpage. And yeah, on the, I'm, uh, I'm almost at a loss of where to start. I mean, Well, here's, here's where I was going to go with it. And I'll, I'll be a little more vocal and play off of this. The one thing I have found in 34 weeks and counting of trying to stick to the rules and be careful and stay inside is, finally, I had a lot more time on my hands to think and to pray and to listen. And some things came out of that. I won't go into it, but I think people, if, if, they, if, if you can block out the resentment and the anger, uh, I found some good things. But I see a lot of people that are on the other side of that right now. I, I've never seen my country like this. I've never seen my fellow friends like this. And I've finally gotten to the point, John, I'll, I'll tell this to you. And we're talking about an election that's coming up, too, and it may be passed by the time people hear this. But I finally got to the point where I said, you know, really, there's only one thing we really can do about what we're going through right now, and that is to put your faith in God mm -hmm. and ask for his lead and try to find the message that comes from it. That's where I'm going with this. That sounds great, but I still battle that. I fight that battle myself every day. Well, 
first of all, there's the, we all have to have great sympathy and cut each other a lot of slack that we're all not going to be at our best during this pandemic. And we're all going to complain a little bit and vent and we're all going to feel sorry for ourselves. OK, fine. Now let's get over it. And what can we discover in the midst of this? Now, again, I put a bit about 10 or 12 podcasts on all the ways that we can approach this. I talked about, you know, the serenity prayer. Lord, grant me the, uh, the, the, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, wisdom to change the things I can, and the courage. Uh, wisdom, no, and wisdom, no difference, courage. You know, you know, you know the prayer. And all, all that stuff I did, which is really helpful. There's a lot of things we can do to help us through this. But basically, when somebody asked the question to me, what is God doing during this pandemic? Is he chastening the world? Is he right. correcting us? Is it a prophetic thing? My answer to that, and this is the general answer I have to give to all this stuff, is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know one thing. God is redeeming us. He's always redeeming us. He's always loving us. He's always gazing upon us. So that if we get that, then even in this pandemic, the pandemic can be used for us to get that if we allow it. If we allow that gaze to happen upon us during this. I mean, he's always redeeming us. He's always loving us. He's always doing what he does. That never changes. We change. God doesn't change. So the pandemic, you know, like all human suffering, this isn't going to be the last difficult journey for any of us here. And for some people, it's not even that bad. Other people, it's horrific. So it's all over the map. But that's not the point. The point is there's always going to be, as I said earlier, life is difficult and life is unfair. Now faith can begin. Because when you start that, you're disposed to something other than yourself. You're disposed to a, a, a world where you're not in control. And you can't fix things. And you can't understand things. And you're off your equilibrium. That's not a bad place to be. Because that can be the place where we finally listen or are finally open or are finally before the gaze of divine love in our life. Yeah, I, I was drawn to this. Uh, I'm going to tell a little story. Uh, it's in my book. And it's, I think, one of the best uh, I, quotes I have in my book. This um, is the book, Good News and Bad Times. book, Good News and Bad Times. I was in a men's face sharing group this morning on Zoom, and everyone was sharing about a lot of difficulties. They have serious things with children and spouses, and one of the guys is seriously compromised with his health. He's got oxygen on the Zoom call. I mean, there's not a guy in that circle that isn't being clobbered. Okay. So we were encouraging each other and loving each other. Now, what I'm going to share is really hard to hear, but it's a profound, profound statement. It, it, I heard it when Stephen Colbert was being interviewed by uh, Anderson Cooper. It was an interview I just happened to see on television. And you know Stephen Colbert is the fast-talking, very funny guy, and Anderson Cooper is a very good, like you, uh, interviewer. So at one point, Col uh, Cooper turns to Colbert and asks him about um, 
the death of his father and I think three brothers who all died in a tragic car accident, a plane accident when he was quite young. And uh, then he turned to Colbert and said, you have spoke of God's punishment as also God's gifts. What do you mean by that? Do you believe that? And Colbert said, yes, I do. This is the quote that um, Colbert was um, quoting. It wasn't his idea. It was from J.R.R. Tolkien, who writes, oh. a divine punishment is also a divine gift, if accepted, since its object is a blessing and the supreme inventiveness of the creator will make, quote, punishments produce a good not otherwise obtained. Let me read that again. A divine punishment, or I would say what we think is a divine punishment, is also a divine gift, if accepted, since its object is a blessing and the supreme inventiveness of the creator will make, quote, punishments produce a good not otherwise obtained. You know, I, uh, in the interview, uh, both of the men remain silent and neither, certainly Colbert is not one not to talk. Because these words give somebody pause. It is what happens in our life. And I'm, and I'm certainly not going to say it's God's punishment. I don't use that word. But for whatever reason in the mystery of our life, we have these things. We, we, we struggle. Life is difficult and it's unfair. Can there be a gift if we accept it? The object of that difficulty in the supreme inventiveness of God is a gift. Meaning that in the supreme love of God, an inventiveness of that love, creativity of that love in our life, movement of that love in our life can turn something that is, appears to even be a punishment into a divine gift in our life. Now, friends, that takes a lot of faith to get that. But I think there's something to that. I mean, that's the ultimate statement of good news bad times. <laughs> but it's kind of true. Because when we die, we're with him. You know, Joni Erickson, uh, one of the guys, she came to mind because in, in my Zoom small group, they were talking about her. You probably know her. She was a, a beautiful young athlete and she had a spinal cord injury and she's paralyzed through her whole life. And she uh, was in utter bitterness and anger and then she had a conversion. I think she can move like a little bit of one hand and she draws mm. beautiful paintings. But she radiates this joyfulness and this faith in God that she's come to. I don't know what you do with that. I don't know. Uh, 
there was a profound gift given to her. Now, none of us would say, gee, I wish that would happen. No. And I don't know why it happens. I don't know. But stuff happens. But it's not the end. It's not the final word. A blessing, a creative new life can occur in the midst of anything. And if you open your eyes and look around you, you see it all over the place. I mean, many, many, many people. Now, not all. Some people self-destruct. Well, let's be real here. And there's a mystery here. But I think it's a mystery worth opening our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to. In the last, what, 12 years alone, uh, let's go back 20 uh, to the, uh, the terror of the Trade Center killings and the, the terrorist attacks. And then my mind jumps to 2008 or 9, with a, whatever you want to define it as, the Great Recession. Uh, I know my life changed in that period, 08 or 09, for various reasons. Uh, and now this. But even back, if you go back to 2008 or 09, we saw, we saw people change. We saw the fundamental nature of our economy change, out of necessity, out of problem solving out of introspection. I know I did. Recreated myself, in, in this case, through Jesus. Changed my life, and I've had 11 years of peace. Um, so I wonder what, what comes out of this that we're going through now. Well, why don't you speak, I'll put it, put it back on you a little bit, uh, Lou. It, 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 I don't know how much you want to share this, but right. you were kind of a classic example of you lost everything. Everything fell apart in your life. I mean, every aspect of your life was falling, falling around, apart, uh, around you. And you stood there, and you could have said, you know, God's punishing me, or woe is me, or why is this happening to me, or uh, you could have complained and blamed everybody. Uh, and people would just say, yeah, we get your complaint and your cynicism. Yet something happened to you at that time in your life, not in spite of everything that went wrong, but because of it, and like you've said, and other people said to me, I'm so glad I lost that job. I'm so glad I lost that career. I'm so glad I lost all my money. Some people have said, I'm glad my spouse left me at that time. Not that that was a good thing or anything. But that was the beginning of something. Right. That wouldn't have happened without it. And that's the mystery of this whole thing. And where we go with it is up to us. But there is a potential good news there because there's no God-free zone. And isn't that accurate, what I said about you? I mean, oh, quite. Okay. <laughs> you, you hit all the bullet points. Yeah. I still remember that. All right. I always talk about, uh, in my talks, the first thing I would usually tell a new group or when I'm speaking or, or sometimes on the air, and I, I do... Uh, is, is the first uh, fork in the road for me, the first uh, thing that I had to overcome is when I lost my career as an athlete. And God spoke to me yeah, in look at that. no uncertain terms with me. Your whole life changed when you had that accident. Almost had my leg cut off. Right. So God didn't give me the, the, uh, the, uh, the middle road, the gray area, to maybe come back and try to play again. With me, he said, that's it. <laughs> so... 
try to figure just it out. Just be happy you're walking and you have yeah. a leg. Literally. <laughs> oh, literally, know, that's true. It literally had yeah. my left leg snapped in half, tore my femoral artery, could have bled to death, and certainly lost the use of the leg. And if you follow my posts on Facebook, you'll notice that every couple of weeks, I, I put a smiling picture of myself on there. Just a smile, sweaty. And it says, I'm thanking God right now because I just finished my 134th run in 35 weeks of quarantine. Who would have thought that I'd ever be jogging after what happened to there you me? Go. And that's, that is truly the case. And when I finish each jog, it's another bonus run. And I sit on a little bench in my park and, and I thank God for another run. And then I thank God for the ball field in front of me and the families that I see and the kids that I see playing with their parents and the trees and the birds and the smells. And sure enough, there'll come a breath of fresh air, which we both know is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So and then in 08, 09, I had another blind side hit, if you will, very, very similar, in, but in a very different way. When I thought I had, I was master of the universe, as most men do with the money and a high-profile job and a beautiful wife and the big house. Yeah, and that was all taken away from me, all of it, in a three-month period. And I could have gone one of two directions, and I think most people face this at some point in their life. I could have given in very easily, felt sorry for myself, blamed everyone, and no one would have blamed me, as you said, and no one probably would have bothered with me either after that. And I found that to be the case after about two years of sitting around with my head on my butt. And then I had, as you know, an epiphany, a, like you talked about at your father's funeral when you were 16. In my case, it was my stepson's graduation from sixth grade school at a little place called St. Norbert's. And I wasn't invited to the graduation. And I went anyway. And I stood in the, uh, the child's children's cafeteria where I had seen so many cake and ice cream parties through the years with my stepkids at that school. And I looked at the people and I saw something in those people. Sound familiar to you? And I just knew that, that was, it was good and they were good. And that if I didn't do something, if I didn't, I didn't know what, if I didn't do something, I was going to lose that. I'd never see them again. And I knew that was a bad thing. And I turned to the man standing next to me who I'd known for all these years, and I knew he was a Christian. I stuck out my hand, and I wanted to say, hey, could we get together for lunch tomorrow to talk? And instead, he grabbed my hand, looked into my eyes, and I started to cry. And I walked outside, and he followed me. And he put an arm around me, and he said, if you're serious, meet me at the diner tomorrow morning. And I did, which surprised me. And he looked at me and he said, I have the answer. Are you ready to hear it? And I said, yes, I am. And that's when I became, became and started to explore and find Christ. And the beauty of that story was that while I never did get employed again full time in my old profession, I had two hours to get two years, pardon me, two years to get a master's degree and a doctorate in Christ. <laughs> And you know, you couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> I was in five different, five different days out of the seven-day week at St. Norbert's. I was involved in some sort of Bible study or the Alpha Non-Denominational Christian or my, my conversion to Catholicism and, and Mass and my counseling with you. That was five days out of seven. 
for almost two years. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Which brought me here Amen. to where we are now. That's what brought you here today. That's what brought me here today. <laughs> I've been praying for that for years. Show me a way. Show me what I can do. Which is your message about our mission. We're not, we're not only asked when we're given the gift, but we're, at, we're asked to go out. We're sent. We're sent. Yeah. I just stole all your thunder. <laughs> no, you, you, you are the thunder because your story, you just illustrated everything I was trying to say. In a, in, a, in a very real way. And that's, that's why, you know, like with the good news, bad times stuff, why, why is there so many stories in there? Because that's the only way you can grab this stuff right. is through story. You can't grab it through somebody giving you a lecture about human suffering and God's grace. You, you have to have stories, stories. That's why Jesus told stories. You know, it's, it's what opens us up to a dimension that's bigger, you know, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, re religion is like putting your, your, your brain on, on hold or something. No, not at all. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's putting your brain in a, it's having your brain think in new dimensions, yeah. in new ways. Yeah. Because much of reality isn't just one and one equals two. It's so much, much more. Those are the fears for many, aren't they, uh, John? Or what you just said, who, who are nibbling around the edges of trying to explore or find Christ and find Christianity. We heard it in our alpha groups, our non-denominational groups, when we would split off into small groups. And everyone, and to this day, when, when I explain to people, and I do freely, when they say, what's different about you? How did you get through that period? What are you doing now? And I tell them the story. I often hear, oh, that, that's nice. It's, it's nice that you found something <laughs> that works for you, right? You've heard this. Yes. It's nice that you found something that works for you. And they're afraid to go that next step because they don't think their life will be fun anymore. Right. <laughs> And as you know, I have fun. Yeah, we do. We have fun. And, we, and, and I have fun with a, with, a, with, a, with a good heart, yeah. with peace. With joy. With joy. It's different. In the little things. Like I said about the run, the little, the little jog. I wouldn't call it a jog. I'm that guy that you see him out on the street, and, and he's kind of shuffling. <laughs> he thinks he's running. And you look at him and you say, isn't that sweet? He's still trying. <laughs> You're the old guy. Where can we you get? Know, where can we? Where can we get the book, John? Again, let's tell them about the book. Okay, I was just going to tell a story. Oh about, no, please! No, no, it's, it's just like when yeah. I'm at a social event and yeah. uh, someone, you know, eventually asks what I do, and right. I kind of tell them. Then eventually, it's you know, I'm a deacon, or I work in the church, or something like that, and they they say something like, "Well, whatever makes you happy." <laughs> Exactly. You could not be more condescending. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. if you were a chemist, they wouldn't say, whatever makes you happy. If you're an accountant, whatever makes you happy. Say, Whatever's good for you, you poor little thing. I'm the, head, I'm the head of the United Nations. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, they, whatever makes you No, it's because they just put me down. It's like it's ridiculous. Right. And so, yeah, and it's this dismissal of faith. And maybe sometime we can talk about that. They don't think it's rational and they also think it's, uh, you're not gonna have fun or yeah. all that stuff. We can talk about that sometime. That's great. But it's interesting how quickly, when you don't want it, you can just easily dismiss it. You can dismiss religion and other people and religious people so easily. Um, it's usually when something happens in our life that we're forced to take another look. And that's a very graced thing. It's what, what you talk, I, what we talked about today. 
It's what happened in your life. It's what happened in Colbert's life. It's all that stuff. Well, yeah, I should so, add to that, that during that period of introspection, when I said my head was up my butt, at a certain point, I, I had to stop, and I'm a fairly smart guy, and I, I had to stop and say, wait a minute, it can't always be other people's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I might have something to do with well, some actually, of this. Well, actually, you'd be surprised at how many people really do think it is everybody else's I'm fault. Not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Masters of the universe are all over oh the place. Oh, my God. Good oh news God. in bad times, and where can people buy it? Good news in bad times is published by, uh, the subtitle is Finding Spiritual Meaning in the Midst of Uncertainty. As, as well said, as your other book? What's that? As well as your other works? Yep. And as I said, it was written a long time ago, but it was rewritten uh, recently, and it is written for today. Uh, yeah. It is published by 23rd Publications uh, online. But you can go to them or Amazon.com to pick it up. And it's a great book for today. I'm really hopeful people will find support and insight and hope. Uh, and I, I think they will. Uh, and that's, that's what it's all about. We thank you for listening and for sharing the good news with Deacon John, who asks you to come back often and support him by subscribing, by rating the site, and please share our site with others in your circle.